it's more about personality now than it is about style because you can find somebody that's going to suit your style, but it's really about who do you connect with? Who do you trust? Welcome, everybody. This is For the Love of Money, where we are making you unapologetic about your pursuit of success by sharing the tools, tips, and stories of those who have already made it. My name is Chris Harder, and each week I will bring you incredible guests in order to prove that when good people make good money, they do great things. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another incredible episode of For the Love of Money. I cannot wait for you to listen in on my chat with my good friend, Allison Lombardis today. Now, I got to know Allison through a mastermind that we were both in this past year. And that really is the value of a mastermind, right? Getting to know super high-level people doing super high-level things and then collaborating and sharing ideas. And as I got to know her, I was like, oh my gosh, this human is epic and everybody needs to hear about her on the show. So she's the founder of Get Your Pretty On, which is this massive fashion brand that basically makes outfits easy. I mean, who doesn't need that, right? And the place that this was born from is such an inspiring story that I cannot wait for you to hear how she really just created what she needed in a moment of struggle. And it has turned into this entire movement and multi, multi-million dollar business. So I know you're going to be really, really inspired. She's now gone on to help over 30,000 women of every size, every age, every budget find more confidence in their clothes and how they look and how they show up through building this business. On top of that, she's a mom of three. So of course, we're going to talk parenting tips while building a successful brand. We're going to take it another step further and talk social media and actually prove to you why having a giant following does not have to necessarily correlate with your business success at all. Matter of fact, I think you're going to find that she gives you permission to build your audience in different ways that really resonate with you instead of just feeling like a slave to social media. And last but not least, we do a deep dive on Alison sharing her secrets to success, not just in building this business, not just in getting it off the ground, but in scaling, in hiring, in building a team. Matter of fact, she shares how she got her business to absolutely explode this past year. I mean, it went from really, really, really good to absolutely extraordinary and great. And we share that shift with you so that you can do the same thing in your business. I met Allison in the mastermind this year, and she was one of my favorite people to get to know. And that's the whole reason to be in a mastermind is so that you can lock arms with human beings, just like Allison, just like myself. If you feel like you're building a business all by yourself in your house, or in some shared office space, and you feel like you're all alone, and you want to lock arms with people that actually understand the size of your goals and can help you get there by sharing their, their expertise and their ideas and their experience and their contacts, then I want you to consider joining me in my very elite mastermind. Now, it's only for people who make over $500,000 a year. But if what I just described sounds appealing to you, and you're already making over $500,000 a year, I want to teach you how to scale to multi-multi-seven figures by locking arms with me in 2020. Go check it out at fortheloveofmoney.com forward slash mastermind. Again, that is fortheloveofmoney.com forward slash mastermind. There's very few spots left. We're talking single digits. So get your application in. I want to jump on the phone with you. I want to hear about your business. I want to share a couple tips about your business with you. And even if you end up not being a fit, I want to get to know you and what you're up to. And if you end up being a fit, 
get ready because we're going to change your business, which will change your life in 2020. Go check it out for the love of money.com forward slash mastermind. I cannot wait to lock arms with you. In the meantime, get ready, listen up because you're about to get wildly inspired and have so many business takeaways from Allison. It's going to blow your mind. Here we go. Allison, how you doing? Welcome to the show. I'm doing great. Thank you. So I want to start with a little bit of rapid fire. It's a fun way to warm everybody up, let them get to know you in a hurry. And if something really good comes up, we'll circle back around and do a deep dive on it. How's that sound? Sounds perfect. All right. So I'm going to start nice and easy. Where'd you grow up? Hopewell, Pennsylvania, population 230. Oh my gosh, that is tiny. It is. Oh my God. And where do you live now? (laughs) I live in Dallas, Texas now. What's your favorite quote? Progress, not perfection. Oh, that's so good. I feel like if I could be reminded that of that all the time, that'd be that'd be really important. What's one of your it's superpowers? It's on the wall in my office. <laughs> right? Yeah. So we all need that reminder. What's what are your, what are your superpowers? Uh, I think listening and giving advice for sure. I like it. What's one of your favorite books? Ooh, that's like picking my favorite kid. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've got to go back. I'm an avid reader. I read like a book a week. Um, but I think one of the ones that's been most impactful was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And that's mm-hmm. the first book when my kids were old enough to understand it that I required them to read. That is so brilliant that you did that. We'll probably circle back around on that because that's like one of those ultimate parenting tips that has to do with entrepreneurship that I just love asking about. Uh, what is one of your favorite accomplishments this far? Hmm. Um, I would have to say, <laughs> being a mom, it's got to be. I just my son just graduated college, so that's like huge. Yeah, and, and that's not even my accomplishment; that's his. But yeah, that's amazing. Congratulations! Yeah. What's something you're challenged by right now? I'm challenged right now by going wider and staying deep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're definitely going to circle back around and and talk about that. And last but yeah. not least, what are you grateful for today? I'm just really grateful lately that I am experiencing so much joy in my life. My relationships are great. My business is great. And every day I am just like full of joy. So mm-hmm. yeah. I love that. That's like the best <laughs> thing ever to hear somebody say. Because that's like the ultimate goal, isn't it? It is. Yes. Yeah. It's so happy. Uh, it's funny. You know, we talk so much about uh, money and building businesses and, and generosity. And oh, shoot. I didn't ask you your recent thing of generosity. Okay. Hold that thought. But we talk about all these things on the show so much. And the only reason that we're all working towards this stuff is really to find some kind of joy. So when your answer to what are you grateful for for right now is that lately you've just been in so much joy, like you've made it. That's as good as it gets. It is. It truly is. Like everything else right now is just icing on the cake for sure. Your income might change. Your business might change. You know, your accolades might go up. Who knows? But right now in this moment, if you're doing this in joy, I firmly believe that's as good as it gets. And so I totally, like, totally agree. <laughs> soak it in, enjoy it. Okay, I skipped I over something generous that you've done recently. Okay, so I am partnering with a mission in Haiti right now that is helping orphaned girls uh, learn a trade. So I'm teaching them jewelry design, and we're also teaching them how to run businesses. So it's a very um, patriarchal, misogynistic society that they're growing up in, and they don't have a lot of resources. And I'm just super passionate about this. God, I love that. We're so going to talk about that later. All right, here's yeah. where I want to start right now. Uh, normally, I'll be like, oh, you know, tell me about your upbringing. Or the, I just want to go right to your business because it's so freaking brilliant. And mm-hmm. it came from a place of need. So do you mind explaining where in the world you came up with this epic idea for Get Your Pretty On? 
Sure. So it came from my own yoga pants rut. So I had started working from home. I worked in corporate America for 14 years as a telecom engineer. So this is something completely different that I um, had absolutely no experience in. I'm not a stylist. I had, <laughs> I knew how to dress myself for work, but that was about it. Um, but whenever I started working from home, I fell into my yoga pants rut. I was not getting dressed on a daily basis anymore. I didn't have any accountability for getting ready. And at first I was like, yeah, this is pretty freaking awesome. <laughs> I don't have to get dressed every day. I can throw on my yoga pants in the morning and get stuff done. Um, but I started noticing something a few months into that, that number one, I was putting on yoga pants, but I was not working out. Mm-hmm. Number two, I had stopped putting on makeup, fixing my hair. Um, I'd started getting weight. I was reaching for convenience foods. It seemed like there was a snowball effect that was happening in my life and I couldn't quite put my finger on it. Uh, So one evening I sat down, I got really real with myself because I was just feeling, I call it a rut, but honestly, it felt more like a full-fledged depression at that point. And I thought, what can I do to change this? What is one thing I can do tomorrow morning that is going to help me feel better? And the only thing I could really put my finger on was, I've got to wake up earlier. I've got to work out in the morning. I need to get a shower, and I need to get dressed. So I did that. And that next morning, I was just amazed at how much more motivation I had and how much better I felt just throughout the entire day. And I went to pick my daughter up at school that afternoon. She got in the car and she looked at me and she said, Mommy, what happened to you? Oh, wow. (laughs) She noticed right away. (laughs) She noticed right away. And I said, what? And she said, well, you look pretty today. And honestly, that was the thing for me that just really... like It was a dagger to my heart. And I think as moms, a lot of times it takes us realizing that something that we're doing is affecting our kids or affecting our family or affecting someone else for us to change it. It doesn't, it's not enough for us to feel it, but to see the effect it's having on others is really when it hits home. And so I decided in that moment, I wanted to set a better example for my girls. And so I started a blog and I knew nothing about blogging. It was just something that I started as an accountability partner for myself. I was posting my outfits and things that I was learning on my style journey. And to my surprise, it started growing organically. This was back in 2012. Pinterest was not big back then. We had bloggers out there, but they were really focused more on high heels and haute couture. And it wasn't a lot of representation for stay-at-home moms or casual outfits or work-from-home moms like me. So it really just grew organically. Women were finding me and saying, Hey, I've been looking for this. I'm like, I need outfits like this. And, and where have you been all my life? And um, that's really how it all got started. It was something that was a hobby at first while I was still in corporate America that just completely transitioned into so much more than I ever could have imagined or dreamed. And this is about 8 years ago, right? Yes, this so, was yeah, 2012 is when I started blogging. I have to connect the dots for you. Your answer like 5 minutes ago was you're in so much joy right now and this thing was born out of what you classified as possible depression. Isn't that amazing yes. how this business lifted you out of depression? It's not just the outfit that day, it's not just the makeup that day. Right. This business, this movement that you ended up creating is one of the things that is so responsible for putting you in a place of joy right now. That's amazing. That's full circle. It, it truly is. I mean, it's, we all know that being an entrepreneur is totally a journey. It, you know, it's a personal journey too. And I feel like who I've become as a person is so much deeper and more meaningful than anything that I've created as a business at this, at this point. It's truly, you know, you have to face your demons <laughs> when you're running a business and when you're becoming a leader. And it just brings out all of these personality traits in yourself that 
um, you get the opportunity to work on and hone and get better. Mm, I love that. So I also want to point something else out. Um, in your stories, you're telling it, you said, hey, I know nothing about being a stylist, but... And then you went on to say, oh, I knew nothing about starting a blog or growing a blog, but you mm-hmm. figured it out. And obviously, people know where you are today, right? You're absolutely crushing it. Where does this ability to figure it out, this resourcefulness come from? And did you have to build it? Or has this always been one of your secret superpowers? I think resourcefulness is one of my secret superpowers, honestly. And, you know, I had a um, an interesting childhood. <laughs> we'll just put it like that. Um, that did require me to be more resourceful. And, and, you know, growing up in the 80s, we did not have the helicopter parenting that was going on. Um, you know, we had a little bit of dysfunction in at home. And I think that that was one of the things that really forced me to do things for myself. I was a first generation college graduate. I had to figure that out on my own. And I have to remind myself of that so much now as a parent that I am robbing my children of the gift of resourcefulness if I do things for them. And just really backing off and allowing that space for them to figure things out because it's been such an important part of my journey. And having that ability to figure things out has been such a gift to me. Uh, you know, I look back on my childhood and I don't regret anything because I think that that's what it formed me and, and that's what made me who I am today. Yeah. Uh, within your comfort zone? Do you mind explaining what you mean by you had a rather interesting childhood? Because I know that the listeners are wondering right that right now. They don't want me to skip over it. And sure. there's so many people out there where they're wondering where their superpowers came from or they're wondering where, you know, if it's possible for them to succeed based on where they came from. Absolutely. So um, I grew up in an alcoholic home. Uh, my dad was an alcoholic and he uh, was at times also suicidal and um, had violent outbursts as well. Um, I, you know, I don't feel like a lot of <laughs> nurturing was going on in our home at the time. And honestly, I'm to a point in my life where I do feel that my parents did the best that they could with the resources they had at the time. And compared to my upbringing, their upbringing was so so much worse. So, you know, I feel like each generation tries to do better with what they have. And that's been such a huge part of my life has been just changing the patterns and knowing that what I want to pass on to my kids needs to be something better. Uh, So I don't fault them at all at this point in my life. I have a great relationship with them. Both of my parents are still living. My dad has recovered. It's been, uh, you know, an absolute transformation, which has really allowed our relationship to grow and heal and everything has has worked out beautifully for us. Uh, but that is part of my story and part of my journey. And it's it's one that was really important to my upbringing and to where I am today, honestly. Wow. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. There's so many people that will use you know their past experiences as a limiting belief. Mm-hmm. And you, use, you used your most formative past experiences in order to find the grit and the resourcefulness to figure things out, as you put it. And it's something that you've always been able to hang your hat on. And right. I feel like if people have that resourcefulness, mm-hmm. then anything's possible. Like if you, if you strip me of everything and said, you can only have one really good superpower, what would it be? It'd be epic resourcefulness. Mm-hmm. You know? Do you think anyone can learn that? Or do we have to have some kind of you know, upbringing or experience in our life that forces us to become resourceful? 
You know, I think there needs to be a catalyst somewhere. And I always, again, go back to parenting and saying that it's our responsibility with our kids that you need to, if they if they don't have the catalyst to have the resourcefulness, or if they're not just naturally resourceful, because I think, I think some people can be naturally resourceful or, or very curious. Curiosity is super important. But um, force them into situations where they have to be resourceful. You can give them a little bit of guidance, but then allow them to figure things out on their own. I love that. Well, it worked for you because now you are running this massively successful, epic fashion brand that started as <laughs> just a blog to kind of lift you out of, out of a funk, out of, out of depression. Would you explain how it works? Sure. So I blogged for two years before I even started to sell anything to, um, to my readers or followers. And honestly, it was really scary at first. I sent out a customer survey, and or I'm sorry, a reader survey at the time. They weren't customers. And I asked my readers, if there's something I could create for you that would make your life easier, what would it be? And I got back tons of responses. And there were a lot of overlapping responses saying, we would love to have a shopping list. Please tell us what to go out and buy. Tell us what staples to keep in our closets and what trends to add in every season. And I thought, that's perfect. I can create that. I know those pieces. They're in my head already. They're in my closet. So I did that. I sat down. I started writing out this list. And then I realized, well, what good is a list if I'm not pairing these pieces up into outfits? So I inadvertently created a capsule wardrobe. At the point (laughs) that I did this, I didn't even know what a capsule wardrobe was. (laughs) And what is it? Uh, Just for the people that don't know. (laughs) Sure. So a capsule wardrobe, it's, it's a term that was coined, I think, in the 60s by a London boutique owner. But it is a collection of clothing that you can mix and match with each other. So Bunch of staples. Yes, closet staples. Um, the pieces are usually neutrals. My capsules are much different than a traditional capsule wardrobe because we play a lot with color and pattern and all kinds of fun stuff. Um, but this capsule wardrobe that I create, you can make 31 days of mix and match outfits out of it. So I do one every season. Uh, I have evergreen capsules as well. There's one for closet staples. So if you're just rebuilding your wardrobe, you don't know where to start. It's a full year of closet staples that shows you different outfit ideas for each season of the year. Once you have those staples in place, then it's easy to do my seasonal capsules because we just keep adding in fun seasonal trends. and So Uh, so it builds on each other. It does. Every capsule builds on the next. So after about a year of doing capsules, most women are actually shopping less than they were before they started, which is really, really cool because they're getting more bang for their buck. They're getting more use out of their clothes. They're loving the pieces they have because we have a rule that if it's not a heck yes, it's a no. Don't buy it because you will not wear it. (laughs) Uh, So you know, I'm really trying to teach women how to shop with intention and how to find contentment because we see so much consumerism and I, you know, I follow a lot of fashion bloggers. I have a lot of fashion blogger friends. I have nothing against fashion bloggers. I am one, but there's constantly pushing to buy, 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 buy more stuff. Uh, and at the end of the day, if you have pieces that you really truly love that make you feel like a million bucks, you're not going to want to be out there constantly buying that next new thing. You'll be happier with less and still able to buy a few new things. Mm, I love that. Do you think there's room for people that are passion uh, that are fashion passionate? to still start a blog and eventually monetize it? Or is it really saturated and tough right now? I think it's really saturated and tough. And I also think you can still start a blog. Absolutely. Oh, great so answer. It is. You know, The thing about it is that it's more about personality now than it is about style. Because you can find somebody that's going to suit your style. But it's really about who do you connect with? Who do you trust? Whose stories... Uh, resonate with you. Um, 
And I really think that that's important as influencers, as bloggers, you know, when we're out there that we need to let people into our worlds and let them know who we are and what we stand for. And I have noticed, you know, recently just in my own business that I've had a lot of people tell me that my level of vulnerability and the things that I share uh, has been the thing that makes them, you know, want to continue to follow along or they have been with me since 2012 and how, you know, they've been around forever. So uh, I think it's, it has a lot more now to do with who you are as a person than it does necessarily about the style that you're portraying. Now, that is some epic advice. If anybody has any kind of blog that they're monetizing, any kind of brand that they're monetizing online, if you're an influencer, what you just said, I think is absolutely key. There, there's really no new ideas. There's really no new takes on, in your case, you know, outfits or colors or anything. There's just really recycled and exchanged ideas. But the difference is your personality and your giving heart and your like how much value you're going to offer, how vulnerable you're going to get to keep them interested. And then the side effect is, well, I already, I already follow and engage and love Allison. So I might as well purchase from her instead of the next person. That's so good. Right. I love that. Exactly. Yeah. There's room, there's room for everybody. And there's, there's a, there's a tribe out there, I believe for every person, it's just all about the tribe you're going to attract. Yeah, that's so true. So more encouragement to like be yourself loud and unapologetically too, so that yeah. you can really attract the ones that are right for you instead of trying Absolutely. to be vanilla and, and fit yes. in with everybody. You said something when you were explaining um, how it works. And I really want to make sure people caught this. You blogged for two years without asking for anything in return. You didn't ask for a sale. You didn't try and monetize day one, none of that. And we hear Gary V talk a lot about this. Like, uh, content, 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 play the long game. Don't ask for anything in exchange for a long, long time. What is that sweet spot? I, I don't know the answer to this because I can make a case for, well, as long as you're providing great value, then go ahead and monetize right away. But then I can also really make a case for play the long game, have the patience, overserve, And then when the time is right, after you have overserved your heart out, maybe then monetize it with something that's authentic to the audience you've built. What are your thoughts? So I don't really have a good answer for this because with, <laughs> with my particular situation, I had the luxury of having two years to build the audience. And I was able to take a severance package from my job in corporate America and try to throw everything into my blog to turn it into a business. So I had about a six-month period where I was able to really just build, build, build and then launch the program. And mine was more of a, this has to work or I have to go back to corporate America type of thing. And necessity was what pushed me to finally say, this is what I need to do. I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. I really don't. You know, I think that the success of this and me being able to launch into having the first year that I launched a membership site program, a six-figure year had to do with the fact that I did have the audience there. And you can you can do it sooner. You just may not have the conversions there that you're going to have later on. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. That's a really good answer. There's a real com- community component too, I would imagine, that lifts women up and helps them bond and maybe helps them find like-minded individuals when they participate in your program, right? It's not just about the person who's all alone at home that's been wearing you know, their, their yoga pants too long. Right. Yes. Yeah. So we have a private Facebook community. And honestly, it is 
the secret sauce. And, and I have nothing to do with it. The community that's come out of this has been the greatest piece of, of the entire journey. Uh, the women that are in there just supporting each other. It's a safe, supportive environment. A lot of them have never posted a selfie in their entire lives. And they come into this group and feel comfortable and safe enough to be able to do that, to be seen. Uh, these aren't the women that are you know, traditionally on Instagram and doing this kind of stuff. So it's really kind of foreign to them. Or they may have felt like um, on the fringes of fashion their entire lives. And this is a space where they're able to explore style safely. And um, everyone in there, we, we have a zero tolerance policy on mean girl stuff. I in six years of doing this, I think we've maybe only had to get rid of like three people, wow. which is insane. And we have thousands of women in this group just really coming around each other, supporting each other, um, meeting each other in real life. We've had women from Germany and Finland that have flown to the US. We have real life meetups all over the place. It's just crazy. And we need to do a live event so badly. <laughs> huh. I was just going to ask, is there going to be a Get Your Pretty On like live annual event? Yes, we are. We have that in the works. We absolutely are going to do something uh, where everybody can get together. But the community that's come out of this has just honestly blown me away. That's amazing. It makes sense. If people are listening closely, you're building a community and a way to connect people. And you're being the vulnerable leader or at least centerpiece of this community, encouraging them to be vulnerable and connect. It has really nothing to do with the fact. The fashion is like, oh yeah, we also would like to dress better. But it's really exactly. just building a community, isn't it? It really is. It's, it's about the community and it's about the confidence. And um, it's really not about the clothes at all. Now, your business went from doing really, really well to like absolutely exploding this past year. What changed? Uh, I think I got out of the way this past year. <laughs> Honestly, that's, that's the short answer. I did. I was able to really turn a lot of things over, delegate, and rise up to being the leader that I needed to be in the business. And that made all the difference. And just creating that white space of saying, I'm going to be focused on being the visionary and the creative in the business. And I don't need to be doing anything else. I need to work in my zones of genius and stay out of everything. And that's when the trajectory just really took off this year. Now, I know you very well because we spent a year together in the mastermind, but everyone listening doesn't. That was not an easy thing for you to do to give up control, was it? No, sir. How did it you was manage not. to do it? Because I can't tell you the number of DMs I get where they're like, I know I need to delegate. I know I need to hire, but I just can't get myself to let go of the reins. You know, I think I had to give myself permission uh, to allow things not to always get done exactly my way. Uh, again, progress, not perfection, right? So just turning things over to my team and trusting them that. Uh, that me not doing it, even if it was getting done, you know, at 75, 80% of what I would have done is better than me doing it at 100%. So that was one thing that I really had to tell myself. Another thing is making the right hires. And I have an amazing team of women that work for me. I cannot say enough good things about them, just knowing that I can trust them implicitly with what I have to hand over. And actually, they're going to do an even better job. So I say I'd be happy with 75 to 80%. They're doing 110 to 120%. Honestly, wow. they really are. When you give them that authority and allow them to just take your ideas and make them even better, it's amazing what your people will do for you. What's your favorite part about building a team and creating jobs? I have eight women that work for me. And I love being able to provide, especially the moms on my team, with the ability to have flexibility 
and be there for their families. Because that's something that I always wanted in corporate America and felt like I really never had until I got to work from home. And I think that's the thing that makes me most proud is being able to support support them in that. Oh, that's amazing. Good job. Now, this is considered a membership site, yet people are not signing up for a, a monthly reoccurring membership, or are they? Right. So we have two different types of payment options. We do an annual membership. Annual memberships open in November of each year and they stay open through March. And they include all four seasons of the upcoming year. So right now we're getting ready to open enrollment for our 2020 memberships. And then we also have seasonal memberships. So they can sign up one off if they don't want to do the full package and do the full year. They're able to do that and sign up per season. And then we have a few evergreen programs too that run. It's so brilliant the way that you structured it. A lot of people right now are, are talking about building membership sites because to have you know uh, reoccurring income or income that you know you can count on by doing a bunch of mini launches is a really great thing to build a bank on instead of just this boom or bust of entrepreneurship. What's your like best advice around building a membership type site? I think my best advice around building the membership type site is that <laughs> don't be afraid to ask for money for your knowledge or for something that you can package and make convenient for people. I think a lot of times we feel like we need to keep over delivering with our free content. And then we think, oh gosh, nobody's going to pay me for this because I've been giving this away for free for so long. And the fact is that people want convenience. Women want easy... You know, That's why these meal services and, and recipe boxes are so popular and you know stitch fix boxes because we want something that's done for us mm-hmm. and think about something that you can package that's going to make someone's life easier mm-hmm. they're going to be willing to pay for that and you don't have to continue to give the content away for free i remember at one point after i had launched my membership site and i was doing the capsule wardrobes uh in in this way and charging for them i had a few other bloggers that started to do this for free and i was thinking nobody's going to want to buy what I'm doing because this is free. Or you can go out on Pinterest and find this for free. But that never happened because people assign more value to something that they're paying for. They're more invested in doing it. If it's something you sign up for for free, think about all the things you get in your inbox for free that you just never even open or look at. Um, And you just really assign more value to that and you're more invested in doing it. So don't be afraid to package and monetize your content and your knowledge. God, I love that. I feel like this is like a business interrogation, by the way. And I feel... I, I want to apologize, but what you're doing is so good. And, and I had the privilege of seeing you teach it right in our mastermind. So I wanted yeah. to, to kind of share some of these questions with everybody else. But the one thing that you and I said when we were kind of joking around offline before we got on here um, was you said you have a, a huge business, but in your words, a smaller following. And I yes. love this. Because we're way too caught up right now, I think, in the importance of having a big following before, I, before people think that they can be successful. So in your words, how important is it or is it not to have a following? And where does your following play a role in the success of your business? So I've, I figured out early on that if I was going to focus on numbers, that I needed to focus them and be really strategic about it. And the two numbers that I focused on were building my email list, number one, with my opt-ins, and number two, Pinterest, because I get so much traffic from Pinterest. So you really have to look at what makes sense for my business model. Where should I be focusing my time and effort on building 
uh, a following outside of my blog or my website. And that's what made the most sense for me. Um, you know, at this point, I feel like I've been able to go really, really deep with my community, but I haven't gone as wide. And I think that that has been a factor of me taking a non-traditional route with blogging. I was never really focused on this is the next thing you need to buy. Um, and so my following on you know Instagram didn't grow as quickly as some of the bloggers that are out there constantly posting outfits and, and pieces to buy. Uh, my philosophy is more about building capsule wardrobes and shopping with intention and purpose. And that isn't as sexy, <laughs> honestly, as somebody's Amazon haul or the latest Nordstrom anniversary sale or whatever the bloggers are pushing at that moment. So I haven't gotten as much momentum in that in that space, but I do feel like my community is so tight knit and so loyal, and my conversion rates are crazy, crazy high because of those things. And the numbers are not representative on my social media of the business that's built. the The numbers on social media look like the tip of the iceberg compared to the foundation of the actual business of GYPO itself. Does that ever mess with your ego or do you have that totally in check? Uh, it messes with my ego. It does. Honestly, sometimes um, I have that little question in the back of my mind, like, are you one of the cool girls if you don't have all these followers on social media? And um, and I have to remind myself and my audience too, like I have vulnerable... I do lives about it. I did one just a couple weeks ago and, and shared with my followers this feeling sometimes that, that I... Don't have as many followers as you know. Back in the beginning, I had a blogger friend tell me, "You're never going to make it in blogging because you're not constantly posting new clothes." And the funny thing was that she blew past me, and um, things were a lot slower for me. And so, in a way, she was right, but in a way, I feel like what I've built is has so much more longevity, and it's so much bigger than you know just posting new clothes all the time. Uh, so I do have to remind myself of that and keep that in check. And honestly, I think that I think the growth will come. It's been organic so far, but I think that it's going to continue to grow and um, and catch on as more and more women start to uh, discover, get your pretty on and are passionate about the same things that I'm passionate about. Well, I for just for the record, I love the way that you've built this business. And I do think it's more sustainable especially compared to people who are building their entire business on a social media platform that they don't control, they don't own. The algorithms can change. uh, They can literally lose their profile. Matter of fact, it was Tuesday. I was stepping into an interview and all of a sudden I started getting text after text after text. Like, what is going on? I looked and it was text messages from Instagram where somebody was trying to hack my account at a rapid Mm -hmm. pace, like hundreds of tries. And it kept triggering the two-factor authentication where they have to text you and you have to put in that code. And for 45 minutes, this went on. Hundreds of tries. So you could tell it's like a, a bot or something mm-hmm. doing it. And I panicked for a while thinking, Oh my God, I'm about to lose this Instagram that I've worked so hard to build up. Right. But then I felt relieved because I was like, Honestly, your audience is in your podcast. It's in your mailing list. It's yes. in these other things that I do control and own. And so if Instagram or Facebook or whatever is important to somebody went away, when you build it the way you did, it's not the end of the world. But to other people, it might literally just stop a million dollar business in its tracks. It's it's absolutely true. True story. I've been locked out of Facebook for six days. Oh. And no one can figure out why. I even had 
someone at Facebook look at my account and they don't know why. So, you know, it's it's so important to have something built outside of the social media platforms. And yes, I totally like I have such an appreciation for my email list and for my blog because those are assets that I own and nobody can take away from me. So yes, totally. I yeah, 100% agree. Wow. That that's going on right now. You're locked out yes. right now. And yes. that's where you run all your ads through. Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> so my business page is still functioning, uh, but I my personal account, I can't interact with any anyone or anything. I can't like or comment. I can't get into like, with my community. So yeah, it's been really frustrating. Oh and they can't explain why. They said a third-party app was accessing my account, but I had absolutely no third-party apps attached to the account. So it's, I don't know. Oh my God. Okay. Well, fingers crossed that that gets corrected, <laughs> that that fixes itself. Yeah. Um, before we switch to generosity, paint the picture for us. Where is this really awesome brand going in the next couple of years? So this in 2020, um, I am finishing my first book. I got a book deal this past year. So I'm super excited about that. Congratulations. Thank you. I am creating the Handbook of Outfit Formulas, which will be seasonal outfit formulas that are classic mix and match outfit ideas that any woman can um, buy and wear. And I would love to, in 2021, launch a capsule wardrobe of my own that accompanies this book. Like your own designs, your own clothing line. Yes. Oh my God, that is so freaking exciting. Is that a big undertaking or at this point, you know what to do? I am figuring it out. (laughs) (laughs) The the answer from before, your superpower. Absolutely. Yes, I am. Yes. I love that. Okay, that's super exciting. I'm going to support that however I can. I want to switch gears a little bit because what we haven't talked about uh, is that you're also a great wife and you're also a mother of three children. And yeah, your your kids are older now, uh, high school to college, Mm -hmm. but you've been building this business for eight years while they were younger, while you had to be super involved with them. How do you find a way to balance it all, to build a growing and thriving business at the same time as running a family of, well, let's call it four, because we all know that the wives are running the husbands and the kids. <laughs> it's so true. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, I've, I've really had to work in seasons. And I was actually thinking about this today. I was reflecting back on the path and the entrepreneurial journey and how you know, initially I really created this business because I wanted to be with my kids. And that's, you know, that was my main driving force was I wanted to be home and be like, see them off to school in the morning and be there when they got home in the evenings. And now things have evolved a lot to where we have one child still at home, um, two in college and one out of college. And um, so I'm in a different season of life now. And I feel like I'm able to now lean into my business a lot more than I was before. Uh, So and just in my marriage too, I find that we've really had to balance each other out. And when the kids were really little, my husband was really focused on building his career. And I was there to, um, you know, run defense at home basically and take care of everything while he did that. And now he's able to do that more for me. So uh, it's just a give and take and a balance and allowing those seasons to happen and know that you've really got to go all in for a period of time. And then you're going to be able to relax for a little while and take a breather and and then do it all over again. I love that. That's such good advice because the bulk majority of people listening, they're parents and mm-hmm. they're they're trying to carve out the time for their business or vice versa. They're trying to carve out the time for their family. And so it's always one of, one of my favorite things to ask about. Uh, obviously, Lori and I don't have kids yet. We intend to, but... For everyone listening, it's su- I know it's such a challenge sometimes. So to hear examples like yours where you're able to, even though it happened in seasons, pull it off and end up 
I'm going to bring you back to one of your original answers to end up in such a place of joy right now. Yes. That's what everyone's striving for. Yes, absolutely. So part of joy comes from giving and generosity. It's one of the, the common ethos that you and I share, which I love. And you brought up this mission in Haiti. Can you expand on that? Yeah, so I just recently partnered with them. Um, just recently, like as in this week. Oh, wow, congrats. <laughs> thank you. Yes, I've been having some conversations about it and it's really been on my heart. Um, so I also own a jewelry line. I have a jewelry business that I started with my daughter a few years ago. And so um, part of this mission is we're teaching these girls, their ages 14 to 19. Uh, they're orphans, but they're in transitional housing right now. Uh, but we're teaching them how to design jewelry and jewelry that will actually be marketable. So pieces that women want to wear. So we're really focusing on trends and helping them to create beautiful designs that women will want to buy. I mean, it's one thing to have the mission and the story behind it, but you find a lot of times that um, the pieces just aren't marketable. So we really want to teach them that. But we're also teaching them about business, about profit margin, about you know, really trying to help them as much as possible understand how to run a business so that this is something that they can do on their own. Uh, and the plan is to be able to bring the pieces back to the US and sell them. Wow. Um, but we're really in its infancy right now. We're finding jewelry designers that can do um, Skype training sessions with them. We're finding components that we can send to them. So they're going to be able to assemble the pieces and um, create the designs on their own. But I'm really excited about it. And um, I'm very passionate about you know helping women, especially impoverished women, because I feel like women really truly give back to their communities. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I just think that this is such a, a worthy cause to it's partner so with. So amazing. Excellent job, first of all. It would have been easier for you to write some checks or plug into something that was already up and running and and you know had less moving parts than what you just just described. Why was it important to you to go all in with this? I just I see the power of of business and how it can just completely transform a woman's life and what it's done for me and the my wildest dreams have come true through this and you know just having the power to be able to share how to do that like I know how to do that and I can show you how to do that and that's something that really drives me is just being able to know that there's something that I can give another woman that is just going to absolutely change the trajectory of her life yeah. permanently and help her be independent and be able to be on her own. It's just, it's a powerful thing to know that you have that gift and then be able to give it to someone else. It's amazing. Do you think that your kids will follow suit? Are they watching? And you know, have you played a role in, in them having generous hearts? I think so. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I really believe I have. And um, it's just cool watching them because they're two of them are adults now. And, you know, one is entering the workforce and one is in college. And just, you know, watching them become who they are has been just the coolest journey of all. And I like, there's nothing more rewarding than being a parent, honestly. Nothing more challenging and nothing more rewarding. <laughs> we talk so much about money mindset on here. How do you want your your young adult children to view money? <laughs> they hear this from me all the time. So, um, you know, I, I I share with them to to definitely chase joy. Mm -hmm. I don't want them to be in something that's soul sucking because I spent fourteen years doing that, and um, and 
I know that the money will come and they have to trust that that will happen for them too. I also give them tons and tons of financial advice to set them up on the right path. But uh, whether they take that or not is totally up to them. That's to a, be continued. <laughs> oh my God, I love it. I love it. I love it. You guys are total parent goals for us. That's for sure. It's amazing, right? So you guys are just getting it done and, and them out of the house and Lori and I are just going to be starting. And you're going to be looking yes. at us laughing as we go through all of these stages. No, but seriously, there's something to be said for both, both ends of it. We had our kids super, super young. So we didn't date or have life before kids. Now we're having a little bit of like emptiness life after kids. So you, there's nothing wrong with doing it either direction. It's, it's totally cool. So that's so cool. Yeah. I love it. Okay. So where can everybody follow you and find you? They can find me at getyourprettyon.com and on social, get your pretty on everywhere. I love how you never give out your personal social. You always just like build the brand, build the brand, build the brand. You ever <laughs> notice that? I, yes. Like, yes. You I can like find me at Allison Lombatis on social too. People yes. always want to know the, 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 human being behind the brand. Absolutely. So um, last question for you. I ask everyone this question. Give me a reason why people should be unapologetic about their pursuit of success. I love that you word it that way because I think a lot of us apologize for being successful or we try to downplay our success. And for me, I think it really goes back to impact and if you're not sharing your gifts with the world, then you're not making an impact. And the more successful you are, the more impact that you can make and the more lives that you can change. And you know that's definitely something that we don't need to apologize for or feel like we need to downplay in any way, shape or form. Wow. I love that answer. So good. Allison, thank you a million times over for being on. It's This year, I've gotten to know you, um, obviously, through the mastermind. And it's just been such a blessing to create this friendship and start collaborating on things and have you come and teach my mastermind and just all the other, all the cool things that you're doing inspire me. And I just want you to know that. Thank you. You know, it's a mutual admiration. I appreciate it. Thanks for being on. Thank you. Thanks for listening. And if you loved this episode and know of someone else who is as successful as they are generous, please pass them on to me. It would mean the world to me if you help me get this cause and this message out to as many listeners as I can. So please, if you liked what you heard, it goes a long way if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. I'll be forever grateful. And until the next episode, cheers to your success.